Do you struggle with focus? Does it seem as if others know their direction, but you don't? In this episode, you'll learn how boundaries can be your best friend when seeking to live out your purpose. My guest, Rachel, talks about being raised by her father and how it shaped who she is now as a passionate ministry leader and business owner. She also now coaches others to find their passion and their purpose and get their focus. If you find that you're always self-sabotaging on your goals, Rachel has some words of encouragement for you. On Life Repurposed, you'll find a blend of practical wisdom and biblical inspiration that's designed to help you navigate everyday life with faith, purpose, and hope. We focus on personal and spiritual growth with a range of topics from improving your relationships and discovering your purpose to setting and achieving goals, plus tools and resources to help you live your repurposed life. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn, the author of books and Bible studies about finding hope in the trashy stuff of life. I'd like to introduce you to Rachel G. Scott. She's a devoted wife, mother, and Ohio native. She's also the author of the upcoming book, Taking the Five Leaps, which releases in March of 2024. As the founder of the I Can't Come Down movement, speaker, and podcast host, she desires to inspire believers to walk in their purpose and assignment as they boldly take leaps of faith. Let's jump into my chat with Rachel Scott. Rachel, I know you do a lot of things and you wear a lot of hats, but to help my listeners get to know you a little better, I'm going to give you a quiz. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's going to be an easy one. Okay. I would love to know if somebody on the spot said to you, Rachel, how would you describe yourself in three words? Can you think of three? I don't love on the spot questions myself, oh, but I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> uh, three words. They would probably say I'm a teacher. Um, I'm an encourager. And I am a family lover of my family. <laughs> Which that's three words right there. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of cheated You're on passionate. the quiz. <laughs> okay, you can cheat on the quiz. There's no right or wrong answers. It's your quiz. Uh, you know, it's funny how like most of my life I've actually, when somebody would ask me a question like that, I would describe myself in terms of roles, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like you did teacher, right. yeah. mom, you know, and sometimes people have challenged me to like, see if you can describe yourself in three words without roles. And Ooh. it's like, wow, you know, that's tough. Yeah. And you wear so many hats. So I'd love to know a little bit about some of your hats. You're a podcast host, an author, a speaker, and I know you talk about taking bold leaps of faith. Yeah. So I'd love to know what's the biggest leap you've had to take. What is the biggest leap? Oh, so many. I would say, um, I can't even just say leaving my job because I've done that multiple times in obedience to God. <laughs> so I can't even say that. One of the biggest leaps I've taken was to have a women's conference. That really mm. was super scary. It was super intimidating. I didn't know anyone. I didn't think anyone was going to really show up. And um, it turned out to be a huge blessing in so many ways. It really catapulted the ministry that I have right now. Tell us a little bit more about the ministry you have right now. So the ministry that I have is called I Can't Come Down. And it is based out of the book of Nehemiah when he's talking to his enemies and the people that are against him. And uh, the message version, the message version says, I'm working on something great and I can't come down. And that just became almost like a life scripture, a life, uh, a life mantra for me. 
that no matter what's going on, remembering why I'm doing the work that I'm doing. And when life happens, because I always say life is going to keep on living. Okay. (laughs) So so when that happens, just realizing that I am on the wall, I am doing the work of God. I can't come down for every little thing that comes up or that attempts to derail me or to distract me from the work that God has called me to do. So that is, that is a small story of the ministry. How do you make those decisions like that? Because you know, I have people at church ask me to do things and I've had to say no a lot because God has called me to be a writer and a speaker. Um, your family has needs. So how do you make those decisions about this one's worth coming down for? <laughs> right, right. Oh, that's so good. That's the thing is that you don't come down at all. So anything that I do mm. has to align with what God has called me to do. If it, mm. if it's making me feel like I have to come up the wall, then it's not meant for me to do. Wow. So it's that assessment and that awareness and the boundaries that I set around, you know, just life and honoring the limited time that we have here on earth. What is it that I want to be known for? How can I make God's name great? Not for me, you know, I could listen the way that I am. I'm like, people don't even need to know my name. It could say, you could say, (laughs) I have an anonymous guest on here and I care so much more about the message that God has Mm. than anything else. So, and I normally have a limited time to to deliver that, you know, and that's, I, I can't come off the wall to do other things that are not in alignment with that. Have you always been really good about boundaries or is that something you had to cultivate? Yes. Even as a younger girl, I always paid attention to, let me, let me put it this way. I went to bed at nine o'clock when I was young and all of my friends would make fun of me because I'm a teenager now, right? And they're like... <laughs> What teenager goes to bed like, don't call Rachel after nine because she's going to be asleep, right? So I always, <laughs> I was always just really good about just setting those boundaries for what I mm-hmm. knew I, because I didn't want to be tired. I knew how it felt to be extremely tired the next morning. I didn't like it. So here's a boundary. Don't worry about calling me after nine unless it's an emergency. So I do think that I'm not perfect at it. There are areas where I've had to work hard for those boundaries, period. Like I'm like, even now, I put my cell phone in the office because I would be in the bed scrolling, 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 not being productive. And I was frustrated with myself. So I put mm-hmm. a boundary up. But it took me some years to do that. But I'm really good at recognizing when I need to have a boundary. I love that. So I'm a fairly disciplined person as well. And I find that other people compare. You've I probably mean. found that. So um, there are some people maybe listening in. Maybe there's somebody here with us who's saying, well, that's good for you, Rachel, but I don't have that personality. And I know you're a coach too. So what do you say to people like that? Um, I would just encourage them to really determine what is most important because we become so accustomed to being responsive and reactive to things as opposed to being um, completely present in the moment and recognizing like this is in order for me to get to this point, I need to do that. So when we look at our goals and we look at the things that we want to accomplish, we don't want to, what I like to call self-sabotage. You know, I have a teenager and I'm (laughs) often reminding him, do not self-sabotage, like do not set yourself up for failure. Yes. But we tend to do that because we say, well, I'm not that kind of person. There's mm-hmm. a lot of areas of my life where I'm not that, but I know that it would work for me to become that. So I have to do the extra work. I i didn't wake up and be, and I wasn't a writer. That's probably the biggest thing. I was not at all 
a writer. I never thought I would be a writer. I never saw myself <laughs> writing books. I struggled with grammar, punctuation, everything. I've got to have an editor, okay? <laughs> so I can say I am not that. However, when I realized I was being called to write, I did one of the three things I always tell people to do. I went to a conference, I found a coach, and I found a community. Hmm. And I believe those three things are key to everything. So we no longer then have that same excuse because when you get yes. into those spaces, they help you establish what you're not. That is gold, Rachel, because anybody there, are, like you said, there's no excuses. Anybody can find a framework that works with their yes. personality. My husband self-admits that ADD is just part of his makeup. And so he has had to figure out within that, how does he have the freedom to jump from thing to thing, because that's part of what delights him. Right, right. <laughs> but then also, how does he make it productive so that he can have a job and all those things? Yeah. So oftentimes with our goals, we we do self-sabotage. I find myself in the mornings, I'm like, where did that morning go? I could have used that in such a productive way. <laughs> yes, 100%. Like, And I've had to, even for me, social media is self-sabotage mm -hmm. a lot of times, because mm -hmm. I look up. And when my kids go to school, I have, what, five to six hours. And those hours go by like that. Yeah. So if I am not intentional with that time and I decide I'm just going to lollygag and, you know, I will look up and then I'm frustrated. And then when they get home, I'm working on work I could have done. I'm not fully present. And then it becomes this vicious yeah. cycle. Oh, I'm not doing what I need to do. I should have, you know, it's like, no, let's just use our time wisely. Let's put in the principles that we know work for us and apply mm -hmm. them. So you really tie in this idea of I can't come down along with taking leaps, which is kind of fun because it's almost like leaps sound very different from staying right. on the wall. Right. So so let's talk about that because we can take bold leaps, yeah. but that doesn't mean we're leaping off the wall, right? Right. So here's the thing. I had the I Can't Come Down movement for several years and everyone was excited. Like, yes, this is awesome. You know, I want the t-shirt. I want the mug. I want the pen. Like, <laughs> yes, I can't come down. But then I noticed that people weren't, they didn't have to come down because they were kind of already on the ground because they weren't up on the wall uh, doing the work. Like, so why yeah. aren't they up doing the work? And that's when I believe God just showed me, like, they're afraid to take the leap. And so well, that there's that this core area that I was missing of for the people who are not taking that leap out of fear, out of just like fear of lack of security, or they don't feel qualified to do it, or, you know, they don't have the time they believe, or just the season of life there, and they feel like they, they're, they don't know what to do or how to do it. I can't expect them to say, I'm walking in my purpose and assign more focus when they're right. not. That's just not the reality of it. But they they can, though. So that's where taking the lead came in, was just identifying that in every season of our life, we are living a life or we should be living a lifestyle of leaping. It's a lifestyle mm -hmm. that we that we live. And it's not just walk away from everything. There are five different ways that God would call us to take leaps of faith throughout our life. And when we do that, we can say we, we're on the wall. And then we can say, I can't mm -hmm. come down. <laughs> yeah. So we're leaping up onto it. Do you want to share those five things? Yeah. So we have the builder's leap, the tent maker leap, the fisherman leap, the trailblazer leap, and the shepherd leap. So the builder's leap is for someone who they are, uh, they temporarily leave their job, say they want to homeschool their kids or they have to take care of a loved one, and then they come back. 
and they go back into their career, even if it's not the exact same job. Mm-hmm. So they go back into their career. So it's a temporary leap. The uh, tent maker leap is someone who they're working full time, but maybe they're a pastor or they have a ministry or a business or they're writing a book on the side. So they're not leaving completely, but yet they're still fulfilling their calling on the side as well. That's still a leap mm-hmm. of faith because it still takes a lot mm-hmm. of time, effort, energy, all of those things. The fisherman leap is for the person who completely leaves their job or completely leaves a career and goes into something that God is calling them to do. The shepherd leap is for the person who uh, they, they move to a new location. So they relocate, whether it's to a different city, whether it is to a different state, another country. And that's because they are feeling God calling them to do that. And then the trailblazer leap is the person who has done all of those other leaps. And really, they're supposed to become a mentor at that point to encourage those that haven't done them or that are in the in the midst of a leap, how to go about leaping. I think I've done almost all of those. See, you would be a trailblazer. <laughs> almost. I think um, I intended when I left my job as a registered nurse to go back to it. I was going to stay home with the kids for a while and I never did go back to it. God yeah. took me in a, a whole different direction. And uh, my husband had to relocate for his job. And so everything started over when we did that. So that wasn't really my leap. But you know how it is when your yeah, spouse it was takes yours one. Too, yeah, <laughs> you go with. It counts. <laughs> yeah. And then I am a tent maker as well, because right now I help other authors with their editing and their design on their books while I also write and speak and those things, but they are very tied together. So I love that that particular part became, I can be a tent maker, but I can also be doing the same things I'm passionate about. Yes, yes, yes. It's fun when that, because otherwise um, some people have jobs where they're just punching the clock and can't wait for the end of that eight hour day. Right. Yes, I agree. Okay, so those are the the different leaps. And you have a book coming out in March where you talk about those very specifically. So when I get to the part at the end of the episode, listener, where I say there's links in the show notes, you're going to want to sign up for Rachel's List. Yes. Because then when that book comes out, you're going to learn a lot more about those. And Rachel talks about leaps on her podcast, too. So yes. Um, so. I, I always promote other podcasters because if you're listening that. to this podcast, you're probably <laughs> going to want to listen to Rachel's yes. as well. Yeah. So I'd love to like rewind a little bit, Rachel, and go back to childhood because yeah. all of us, when we come to a place where we're coaching others, we're mentoring, it's founded on something. Yeah. It's founded on, you know, like we didn't just get here. So I'd love to know a little bit. I know the listener doesn't know this, but you told me ahead of time that you were raised by your dad. Yeah. So I'd love to know a little bit about how that has shaped this ministry you have now. You know, it's so amazing because you never know how your future will look in the present. You know, you have no idea. So my parents, mm-hmm. when they got divorced, uh, my mom decided to keep us with my dad. And then my sister ended up moving in with her. And so I stayed with my dad. So I always say, I was an only child, but I had siblings. And a lot of times I kind of struggle between the two. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I do have siblings, but I still have those that only child, like I could just be to myself kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, at the time it was just like, I felt so ill-equipped, especially once I started having kids because my mom was around, but not really. So some of those key things that you will learn from a mother, I didn't necessarily learn. However, God did place mother figures in my life. I had a really amazing godmother. Essentially, I had a whole God family. So I got to see the way things operated with the mother in the home. Some of my friends just had really great mothers that took me under their wings. My older sister, my oldest, well, no, my older um, sister, she just really stepped in and, you know, just made sure I had so much of what I needed as well as my dad. 
But um, when God called me to a women's ministry, I just felt like I didn't have a mom <laughs> around to to really help me. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like I I could so see myself encouraging men more <laughs> because <laughs> so I, and I had a lot of male figures that were in my life. I had my godfather. I had my dad. I had so many others. And you know, once I had children, I that's really where I struggled at because I'm like, well. When I was around eight or nine is when my parents got divorced and my mother left. So when my kids, my especially my daughter, not so much my son, when my my first daughter turned that age, I'm like, what does a nine-year-old do mm. with a mother? Like, what what should I be doing? Am I supposed to be taking her to get nails? And, you know, right. I would cry because I'm like, I feel like I'm not doing what the other mothers are doing, but they probably have someone to show them. And, you know, just that mm-hmm. internal struggle that I'm like, am I going to mess up? Like, I have no clue what this is supposed to look like. And... I mean, that was a process for me. I definitely can't say I did it perfectly if there is a perfect parenting perspective on that. But then when that when I felt led to that, you know, I, I didn't feel qualified, but God constantly showed me the nurturing and the motherliness that I had within myself because he continued to to bring women to me. And I had this wisdom that I didn't understand mm-hmm. because I didn't have the experience to have that wisdom, but yet I still had okay. it, right? And yeah. I love, I mean, the wisdom that comes from above is like none other. I mean, even, mm-hmm. even when you compare it to an experience, the wisdom, someone can experience something and it doesn't mean they walked away with wisdom from that experience, right? Right. But when we get wisdom from above, it just carries so much further. And I truly believe that the wisdom of God is what has allowed me to be able to pour into other women, to be able to help them walk this journey of motherhood or being a wife or, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to navigate what does it look like for me to walk in the purpose and the assignment God has given me while still having children and, you know, just all of those things. So I don't think I was the ideal candidate. I don't. But, mm-hmm. you know, he chose me nonetheless. <laughs> I love that God doesn't choose ideal candidates because then it makes us trust in him on the whole process. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so um, being raised by your dad then, did do you feel like you had a different level of responsibility than some of your friends or was it about the same? Mm, no, I feel like I def- definitely had more. Everyone would say, Richard, you're so mature for your age. You're so mature for your mm. age. And now that I'm older, I realized... Yeah, I didn't want to have to be that mature. You know, I wanted to be Mm -hmm. a normal kid at that age. But the good thing was that there were, there was, it was normal for what it was. You know, I look back at those years and I think I needed to be raised by my dad. My mother had like a lot of mental illnesses that she was struggling with and she just wasn't in the position to be able to raise me. And then God knew what he had called me to. My dad, on the other hand, I mean, he... He's much older. I mean, my dad right now is in his is almost 80, I think. He's almost 80. Mm-hmm. So he had been raising kids for a long time. And, you know, and so <laughs> I'm the baby of the family. I'm the youngest. <laughs> and, you know, he just, he really, he was a strong prayer. I mean, he is. He's a strong prayer. Just intercession in his word. I needed to see that because I was being mm-hmm. called to ministry. I had a conversation with a friend um, a couple months back and we were just talking about, she said, you know, she grew up in this entrepreneurial thing is just so natural to her because she's all, that's what her parents did. So she always saw them as entrepreneurs. And I'm like, you know, it's interesting because my mom, before everything happened, she used to have a ministry and it was for abused women and children. So we would get in the car at times, ride with her, you know, she would go pick up people in the middle of the night that were in domestic violence situations. And so ministry is what was in me. Mm. I, but I didn't know. I didn't recognize that. But I always, I, I, when I, 
I always say, when I grow up, I'm going to be a minister. You know, I didn't know. I was like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be a missionary, but I think I want to be a minister. Not fully knowing what that what that meant. Sure. But I just knew I wanted to do something along their lines. However, she wasn't able to show me how that looked. My dad, he was able to. He was able to help cultivate the relationship with God that I would need for the work he called me to do. And I believe that's why I was still there. Because, of course, when my sister left, I'm like, well, I want to go be with my mom, too. And I did go for a little bit. That didn't work out because I needed what my dad had. So it was a blessing in disguise. Did you have any times in your life where you felt like God was far away from you? Honestly, no. I I would say no. (laughs) There there are struggles that I had. That wasn't one. I always felt like he saw me. He heard Mm -hmm. me. I just didn't know what he was doing. There was a lot of times I didn't. I'm like, what is happening right now? You know, I felt there were times where I was hurt, but I never really struggled with like blaming God for the hurt. I more so Mm -hmm. recognize that this is just people's individual decisions. I don't know how I knew that. There's so much I don't know how I knew at such a young age. (laughs) I always felt like God was close to me as well. I, and how I describe it is that What's changed is my perception of God. I thought of him in a way like he was always with me, but he was looking for me to mess up, you know, but yet I knew he was there. So I had that comfort. It's kind of like as if he were a more stern father than what he really is. And now my perception of him has changed, which then changes who I am today. Um, But yeah, I don't know what it's like to go through a time as a teenager where I felt like God had abandoned me or anything like that. Yeah, I, I didn't necessarily go go through that. I do feel like I struggled with my identity, you know, and because I didn't see it shaped at that time. So I did mm-hmm. fall into some things simply because I was trying too hard to figure out who I was, you know. Um, when your whole family begins to break apart right in such a pivotal moment. Yeah. And then I had to become, I was a sounding board for my dad and, you know, I, I did. I, I'm watching him as he's hurt. I'm trying to support my mom because everyone else is mad at her, you know. And I'm mm. like, well, I don't want to be mad at her. So I had to put that on so much. So I did have a moment where I just kind of was like, I didn't get to be a kid. So it's so yeah. important to me for my kids. I'm like, no, you're gonna get to be a kid. <laughs> nope, you're not doing that because you're a kid. <laughs> yeah, that is heavy for a kid. Yeah. And so, do you find that because you you took on a lot of responsibility as a younger person, do you feel like now there is a do you do you shoulder more responsibility sometimes and have to remind yourself like that's not mine to carry? You know, I think that's why I found boundaries real quick. Yeah. Because. What what I what I would say I I struggle with more is so you know what let's go back yes I had to think about that answer yes <laughs> yes 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 um and I've had to find boundaries in that especially when I say yes when it comes to family when it comes to if one of my siblings needs something I'm like yes if my nieces mm-hmm. or nephews need something. It's, it's always from this place of, I didn't have that, so I don't want you not to have that. Of course, in my kids, you know, that's obvious. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, a, the external components of things. So I do think that it caused me to say yes often. And my husband's had to help me balance. No, it's yes isn't the answer all the time. And it's okay to, to say no to some things. And it's funny because I had to help him balance that, too. 
<laughs> yeah, I love that. That's that's the whole thing. That's like a beautiful picture of marriage yeah. when you can help each other balance those areas. Because my husband sees things in me that I can't see. And yep. it works that way for both of us, too. Yeah. I'd love to know what God's repurposing in your life right now, like showing you because he keeps continuing to unfold that idea yeah. that there's hope in the middle of our struggles. Yeah, I would say he is repurposing just my relationships and my belief system about what it looks like to be his child. Mm -hmm. um, my my relationship with my children have really helped me to understand a relationship with a, a parent child, you know, um, because I'm still here with them at the age where I didn't have that. So yeah. he's redefining for me my belief system of what I don't know. Like, oh, you, I, I didn't, I didn't realize I knew this. He's like, yeah, you did know that. But also how present he is in the moment as I'm going through things with my own children, how present as a parent he is. He is so repurposing that belief. So because when you have a parent that essentially abandons you, you know, it's like, having the presence of God consistently, you don't always tap into it. Like I didn't feel like mm -hmm. he wasn't there, but I didn't always ask for his help. You know, it's like, okay, mm -hmm. you're there, but you're <laughs> kind of like that parent that's there. That's more of the silent parent. Mm -hmm. And so realizing like, no, he's an active parent. If you mm -hmm. invite him into it, I'm seeing that in ways I could never describe like right now in my parenting journey. I've met people who as the parenting journey is like a pivotal thing because it does like you look at your kids at those different ages and yeah. stages and you wonder, what would I have wanted somebody to do differently? Yeah. And what can I do now to do differently? So it is beautiful to be yeah. able to change that, uh, like break that pattern yeah. and provide something different. Yes, Absolutely. What are you most passionate about in your ministry to women? Because I know you wear a lot of hats and you yeah. <laughs> were, you're in marketing. You have, is it a master's in business? Yes. Yes. So, I mean, it seems logical that you would be like, your area would be most passionate about business. And then you talk about ministry and like, right. oh, so how <laughs> does this blend? Because I love it. Well, of course I do have the brand agency. So that's the business part of things. Mm -hmm. But I would say I'm most passionate and have always been when I talk to someone and they're like, you know, I've always helped other people, you know, I haven't, and, and that's just me. And, you know, I just believe that's all that I'm called to, or I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing next in life. My passion is to help them figure it out. Like I am that person where I don't want you stuck where you're at. I want you to make progress, not just talk about it, but actually mm -hmm. make progress in the things that God has called you to do. I want you to understand my biggest um, secondary mantra, but kind of primary is that obedience to God is a non-negotiable. So it's not this idea of being completely comfortable. Okay, a lot of stuff I do, I am not comfortable. I'm like, unless there is somebody more qualified and more comfortable with what you're asking right now. <laughs> but I do it completely out of obedience and recognizing that my yes is a blessing to someone else. The overflow of what God does in my life is never really just to benefit me. It is really to be a blessing unto other people, whether it's the words that I write, whether it's the conversations I have, whether it is, you know, the places I go speak, whether it is financially, when he blesses me, I'm able to be a blessing to my, to the, my children, to their children. It's always an overflow of blessing. But we first have to step into what he's called us to do for the blessings to be um, poured upon us. How has that then blessed you in return when you've been obedient in that way with that ministry? So good. That's such a good question. 
Um, living in purpose and living in the assignment God has given you gives you so much reason to wake up in the morning. It really does. Um, I get to see just this is what I was created for. This I am literally doing the thing that God has created me for. And it is evolving and growing as I mature in my walk with God. But just to see that. And here's the other thing. I see how much me doing what I'm supposed to do encourages so many other people to do what they've been called to do. Because I'm just an ordinary average person. There's nothing spectacular about me. And they're like, when they- Well, there's a lot of spectacular <laughs> things about you, Rachel. <laughs> well, thank you. But I'm pretty quite average, okay? <laughs> and when they see, you know, the the things that God's doing in my life out mm-hmm. of the obedience, it's, it's just a blessing. The other day, my son, I, we were having a conversation because he's a teenager. I'm going to just say that. And I just like to, to put it out there <laughs> and decide wherever you want to run with it, go with it. He's a teenager. And I was like, what do you want to do with your life? Now, this mm-hmm. is my son who's very athletic and he plays and he wants to do this. He was like, I want to be a speaker and I want to travel. And I, and it shocked me. I was like, huh? And essentially what he was saying, I was like, Ma, I want to do what you do. I want to do interviews. And I was just like. And I was like having a teary-eyed like a moment. I'm like, so you're watching, you know, like I understand they're right watching, but I'm like, you want to do what I do? And so I recognize in that moment that it's not just about me, you know, uh-huh. one more story and, and, and take it, keep it, whatever you want to do with it. But my, my youngest daughter, I sing as well, but I don't sing all the time. Like I'll sing in the praise team. I always say, I got to have um, the anointing on my voice because other than that, <laughs> like, it's the, no, I, I got to, that's what I got to have. But um, my youngest daughter, I didn't know that she, she, she sang. So she, one day she kept asking me to sing um, like Jesus loves me or something every night before we would go to bed. And I'm like, why does she keep asking me this? And this is when I was kind of just dealing with challenges with singing because a lot of the singing for me had been connected. I started singing when my parents got divorced. And then mm. um, I became like a minister of music at a church around my first marriage, which was very, uh, um, it was not a good marriage at all. Mm. And so it was always connected to pain. It was always connected to struggle. So I, once my husband and I got married, I was like, oh, this is totally different. I don't need that anymore. You know, this is. So God had revealed to me, like, listen, you connected worship and praise to pain. I need you to wow. understand it is connected to my glory and my goodness. So he used my youngest daughter and she hadn't heard me sing like that. She kept asking me, I'm like, what is this about? And that was a revelation God gave me. Lo and behold, she's 11 years old. Now, this was probably when she was about three or four. Most beautiful voice that and at that age, I didn't know, you know, and I, so I joined the praise team again because I was like, I want her to get over her fear of singing on the stage. Mm-hmm. And so she would sing on the stage with me. And so that just even in that moment, God showed me like, it's never just for you. Healing mm-hmm. is never just for you. Breakthrough is never just for you. You know, it is so for other people, whether it's in the home, outside the home, your grandchildren, it's always for that. So. I don't even remember what the question was, but I think I tied. Oh, it. <laughs> no, that that's actually was about how your ministry has blessed you in return. So okay, that there you go. exactly <laughs> it. And actually, I was blessed by your answer because that is a good reminder that um, obedience isn't just for us. Yeah. It's for the other people. And, you know, some people's I, I talk about dreams and goals, and sometimes people think that's it has to be ginormous because right. I'm an author, so I often talk about writing books. So right. not everyone's going to write a book. Not everyone's going to speak on a stage. So what might be a big leap for me is a whole different thing for yes. somebody else. Yes, I agree. 
Um, for some people, it's as simple as making a phone call to someone who right. you know you haven't talked to. Maybe there was some tension there, but yet God is calling you to do that. That's a big leap, yeah. you know? Yes. I've had to do one of those too. So <laughs> it's a leap in lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And those open up doors then because I found that those things that I've avoided have been things that have kept me from doing the things that God has called me to do. Some of that's walking away from you know, relationships, maybe for us, it was leaving a church that yep. with people we loved, but we just knew God was calling us to a different place. And some of the, those are hard steps. Yes. Yes. That, yep. What you said. <laughs> I know that you coach people and you also have a lot of materials on your website. I can't come down.com. I'll link to that in the show notes. Listener, if you don't catch it there, because when I speak, I can't come down sounds very fast <laughs> when I'm saying it. But or they can do rachelgscott.com, one or the other. <laughs> yes, we, I will definitely link to both of those because you have resources on both. But you have a focus IQ quiz, and that kind of ties into what we've been talking about here. So tell us a little bit about that quiz and how that can be a next step for somebody. Yeah. So uh, a lot of times we need to figure out why we're not doing the thing. So similar to taking the leap, what what's the next thing that we need to, in order to get focused? Um, focus is an important part of anything. So <laughs> the goal of it is to identify, do you need clarity? Do you need direction? Or do you simply just need to take action and take that leap? So that's really what the quiz will let you know is which one of those things you need to do and how can you practically do that? Which is the one that you think people struggle with the most of those three? So having this quiz out for so long, what I've seen is most people struggle with direction. Okay. That is probably 60 to 70% of the answer. So I'm going to pull that up because that's, I took the quiz yeah. and that was my, <laughs> that was my result. <laughs> so you, I won't, I'm not going to give away all the steps on here, but um, you talk about decisions, determining, making that decision. Is that like, do people struggle with just deciding to take the next step? They struggle with deciding to take the next step, but also deciding if they're going to do it, like okay. because it's usually a sacrifice involved. It's a sacrifice of will, you know, my will versus God's will. So that decision of mm -hmm. what am I going to have to sacrifice? And here's the other reason, because we make up scenarios in our mind. If I do this, then this, this and this is going to happen. We have no <laughs> clue, you know, and we tend to right. go with the worst case scenario rather than the best case scenario. <laughs> I also tend to think that if I'm following God's direction, I'm not going to have any problems along the way. And I have to keep reminding myself that difficulties that come with that obedience yeah. are not signs I should quit. Yes, yes. I talk <laughs> about that in the book, actually. Yeah, it's it's it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, smooth, but also not following God's direction. It's not easy or smooth, you know. Right. But it gets us to the other side where, you know, the pastures are much greener which is what we want. Mm -hmm. Some of the steps I've taken along the way weren't my favorite parts, but they actually shaped me into who I am yeah. now. So even though they weren't tied to my current passion, like it didn't, it doesn't seem obvious that they were tied. I can look back and yeah. see that they were. Even back when my kids were at home and I just wanted to get out of the house for a while and I started selling rubber stamps. <laughs> it's like I would go to people's homes and put on parties and we'd make cards. And it was just like later I looked at it going, why did I do that? Because net gain from it wasn't like a big right. benefit financially to our family. 
But it was before I had started speaking in front of audiences. And I realized that those once a week parties that I was doing was getting me used to just leaving the house and standing in front of a group of women on a small scale. And I didn't see it then. Yeah. I didn't. I just knew God was nudging me towards speaking, but I had no idea that that was connected to it. It's funny because that's what happened for me with teaching. So I went into mm. teaching because, well, I knew I was like, I want to be a speaker. And if I can stand in front of a group of teenage kids with all the sorts of faces they can make, oh, it'll be easy to stand in front of adults who know how to fix their face, right? So <laughs> if, they, if they don't like something, they still know how to look normal in the midst of it. And so I did teaching for years so that I could prepare myself to be a speaker. So the listener who's here with us might be thinking they need to go from point A to point B and not realize that there are a lot of small leaps along the way. Mm -hmm. So I encourage you, listener, to take the first leap and not, if you're thinking about becoming a speaker like we've been talking, you're not going to go from here to speaking in front of 800 people tomorrow. There are leaps along the way. So Rachel, as we begin to wrap up here, what are some words of encouragement that you have for that listener who is not sure what they're not focused they're not sure what their next step is they don't even know where the wall is yeah (laughs) what do you say to that person you know the first thing that came to mind was be obedient to the last step because when we're obedient to the last step he then can release the next step to us right and sometimes Mm -hmm. we we don't want we don't know everything and there's times when god is a lamp into our feet and he shows us the next step and there's times he's a light into our path and he'll reveal all along the path. So in this time, ask God, what was the last step that you gave me? And um, recognize that he's either going to be a lamp into your feet or the light into your path. But either way, he's with you along the journey. Where can people connect with you online? If they go to rachelgscott.com or icantcomedown.com, and then on social media, they can find me at I am Rachel G. Scott. So are you most active on Instagram? Yes, completely. Okay. So, yeah. So connect with Rachel there. I will link to that in the show notes. So you have a quick link to go there and um, you'll be able to find her. Definitely do connect because Rachel has more books than just the one that's coming out yes. in the spring. She writes devotionals for you version. So if you're somebody who uses that app of the Bible, you can go and read some of her devotionals yeah. there. Rachel's all over the place, and yet you're so focused. I love that. You can be <laughs> in so many places, and yet you're modeling that focus. So thank you so much for being here today, Rachel. I've appreciated chatting with you. Thank you, Michelle, for having me. This has been so fun. You'll find the show notes for this episode at michellerayburn.com slash 172. I will link to Rachel's website, the resource we talked about with the focus quiz, and also some other things on her socials and that kind of stuff. So go to michellerayburn.com slash 172. I also put out resources for every episode. Sometimes it's discussion questions, sometimes it's a worksheet, and sometimes it's other bonuses. Some of them go to my mailing list and others are just for the Patreon subscribers to Life Repurposed Plus. So if you're somebody who wants to get even more resources than what I send out to my mailing list, you can become a subscriber and it costs less than it cost me recently to go to the coffee shop and get a coffee and a bagel. So for one month, it's $9. You can support the show. It helps me with the production costs and I am so grateful when you do that. So I'd love to have you be part of Life Repurposed Plus. Thank you so much for being with me today, for sharing this chat with Rachel. 
And speaking of sharing, if you'd like to share this with a friend, I'd be also grateful for that because it helps to get the word out about the Life for Purpose podcast. I hope you have a great rest of your week and I will see you again next week. You've been listening to Life Repurposed. If you'd like bonus resources sent to your inbox each week, be sure to sign up at michellerayburn.com 